you press one wrong button and the whole system shuts down, right? <laughs> uh, good morning. You guys have a good good weekend so far? Huh? Oh yeah. Uh, just glad to have you guys here and yeah, it was a great time studying the book of Ruth. You know, really seeing that that grand uh, picture of redemption that the Lord is about in this time. The Lord was about bringing about in the book of Judges or in the time of Judges. It gives us this picture that God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when we were all in darkness, when we were all rebels against God, Seeking your own way, God came for us. Speaking of Christ coming in the flesh, John states this in his gospel. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Those are some good verses right there. Life came. Light came that man could dwell with God again, that by the precious blood of Christ Jesus, we can be redeemed and restored with relationship to the Almighty. You know, there's great darkness and evil, great sin and rebellion everywhere. But the light has come and darkness cannot overcome it. Now this was fulfillment in God's plan. Paul states it in Galatians. It is like one of my favorite verses about the incarnation. I feel like I state it all the time. Galatians 4, 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. The promise, as we see throughout the Old Testament, of a Messiah point us to the person and work of Christ Jesus. That he is the Son of God, that he is the second person of the Trinity that took on flesh. He is the Son of Man, Son of David, born of a woman, born under the law to fulfill its righteous requirements. And he did all of that. So the many would be redeemed. That those who receive him would be born of God. Born of above. Born from above. That we would praise him and know him and make him known. And today we're going to start a study in a few selected psalms throughout the next season. And through those we'll see the kindness of God. The shelter that God provides to those that take refuge in him. And we will see that God delivers those who trust him. Let's start with a word of prayer. Oh, Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for your amazing grace that we can stand and sing to a holy and Amazing God that is not just far away and high above, 
that your thoughts are not like our thoughts and your ways are not like our ways. And we're so grateful of that because you love your enemies and we have a problem with that. That Lord, that you are the Lord that came near, that took upon flesh, that is Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus the Son. And that as we take time to study your word today, that you would just uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us just to be equipped and encouraged by your word, to aim to please you throughout our days. And they are like a vapor. Generations come and generations go. But you remain, Lord. Help us point generations to you. Be with us in our time of study that we wouldn't be distracted by the past, the present, or the concerning future. <laughs> but that we would have our eyes fixed upon you and that you would refresh our souls, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 145. I think I said it right that time. Psalm 145, we will look at this uh, Psalm of David and see uh, through the whole of it, uh, we will look at pretty much a study of uh, the kindness of God, the goodness of God, uh, but we'll focus in on He is worthy of all praise this week um, and, and what is the purpose of praise. This first section, uh, we'll read the whole of it together. As Psalm 145, verses 1 through 7, state this. It is titled, A praise song, a song of Praise of David. It states this. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of your might and of your and sorry they shall speak of your might they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And this is the word of the Lord. Now looking at any age from the ancient Near East to the many empires throughout history, be it the Persians, the Macedonians, uh, the Greeks, I kind of want to differentiate that, right? Because Alexander the Great uh, everyone thinks that's a Greek empire. Yeah, it was, but he's Macedonian, so it was actually a Macedonian empire, but there were Greeks as well. Just a little history note, if you want to, right? <laughs> there were the Romans, the medieval age, to the Renaissance, or right? 
no, <laughs> renaissance uh, sauce, right? Uh, no, yeah, no, bad joke. Uh, to the Industrial Revolution, to the age of exploration, to even the space age, and now to the age of the iPhone, right? Or whatever we call this age, right? The age of the iPhone sounds good, right? Yeah, we can see it. One generation after another has a choice before it. Will we extol ourselves or will we extol the Lord? And another comes after that. If we choose to extol the Lord, and this is a fun phrase. I'm like, what does this mean? Well, it means to praise enthusiastically, right? If we choose to extol him, or do we choose to oppose him and then criticize Anybody watch any food shows? Yeah? They're fun, right? You watch food reviews on YouTube? Nobody? No? Yeah. Well, if you don't, that's okay. I don't think there's a day that goes by in our house where I don't turn on you know, the TV and, and I'm watching a food review, uh, watching some guy crazy on YouTube. You know, they're just fun, you know? Well, one thing stands out from, from all of them, you know, is praise. You know, I would recommend this from the criticizing. Never again, or don't do this, people. I'm doing it for you. This is why I get paid the big bucks, right? And they're like, ah, and they throw it away, right? You know, it's it's a crazy world, right? You know, from, from Google to Yelp, we can actually all review a place now before we even enter the door, right? We can see the pictures of the food. We can see if the restaurant is nice. We can hear about the service, too. You know, all of that is available just on these devices that we carry in our pockets or carry with us day to day. And when I think of critics in the Bible, I think of the word scoffer. And 2 Peter chapter 3, if you want to turn there in your Bibles with me, uh, deals with scoffers. And 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3-7, through 7, uh, the Apostle Peter states this, Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now, Peter, first and foremost, tells the church, right? Scoffers will come. And they will be about their own sinful desire. It's a really good label for them. You know, they have made their choice, right? They have, they have already chosen extolling or exalting 
themselves. They mock the promises of God of him coming back. And they say nothing, right? Nothing has changed. They specifically state this. They say things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And I'm like, I've read this in a book somewhere, right? It's all erosion. That's what you see in your world today, right? This view is highlighted by the worldview of secular humanism and any other worldview that tacks, or takes naturalism as it's God. That, that's, that's all that is and ever will be. And I'm like, hmm, kind of sounds deistic, right? <laughs> there is no supernatural in their worldview. And therefore, they're outright mocking anything that is supernatural. And they, right, they do this. They overlook and suppress the truth of God and the truth of the great flood of Noah's day. They specifically overlook and suppress those things. But it all points to the truth that one day judgment and destruction will come upon the ungodly. They're constant reminders that judgment takes place, that a day is set. So, <coughs> from the time of Peter until now, the question remains, how shall we live and where do we start? Well, Psalm 145 states this in verses 1 through 3. It points us to our starting place, and it is to praise, to praise the Lord. David writes this, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Hmm. Now we don't extol the me, right? We don't greatly praise the me. We extol the great I am. You can see I found a favorite new word this week, right? <laughs> oh yeah, extol. <laughs> oh, we recognize who he is, right? We don't suppress the truth as Romans says. We don't suppress the truth that brings the righteous, the righteous judgment of God. But no, we recognize the truth that the heavens declare the glory of God and we praise him for he is God and king. David makes it very personal in the psalm, right? He says, my God and king. You know, we submit not to our own sinful desires. No, we submit to the God and king of all, the former and framer of all of creation, including our very selves. The psalmist in Psalm 99 states this, Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. He is holy. Right? To praise the Lord rightly, we must see who he is. We must rightly see who he is, that he is holy, that he is a, he is a God above all and the king over all. You know, this makes me think of probably A.W. Tozer's most famous quote. He states this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because how do we view him will 
infect or effect all parts of life. So to those who want to extol God, we need to spend time with him in prayer and his word. It's not an overnight thing, right? Lay down on the Bible, it just kind of clicks in. I wish, you know, right? It'd be like the Matrix, right? I know Kung Fu, right? Because they put the chip in him, you know? But it's, it's one step at a time. Through many disciplines and many things, it takes time. You know, it's hard. It's very hard in a world of convenience, right? Because discipline takes, or sorry, discipleship takes discipline, right? And discipleship takes time, you know? Yet again and again, right? In the Gospels, we hear, you know, Peter say this, Thomas say that, you know, Jesus is like, you don't get it yet? Come on, guys, let's let's do this thing. And it, it's like, it's so relatable, right? Because we're like, hey, we're on that journey too. Of like, oh, we should... We should know it. But, you know, it's like, no, Jesus is, is patient and kind and love, and he is the good shepherd that will take time with us. And that's so cool that he will take time with us, that he is the great high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses and that we can go to him in any hour. <coughs> David states he will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. And I think that stands out that it's not just a one-time thing, right? It's about daily coming before the Lord to praise Him. The psalmist in Psalm 146 puts it like this. I'll praise the Lord as long as I live. I will pray, sing praises to my God while I have my being. And that totally reminds me of what Job says, right? You know, even though my body decay and I die, I know I, I will see him and he will stand upon the earth. And as like people always talk about how resurrection is like a Christian thing. I'm like, it's like in the oldest book of the Bible, yo. It's right there. Job states it. He plainly knows that resurrection is a truth of what will take place and that will, he will see his redeemer and his redeemer will stand upon the earth. <coughs> and we pour out our praise towards God or we will find ourselves praising something else, even ourselves. David states this in the next text or in the in next, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. To focus upon our Lord, our God, our King, we need to know Him. We need to study His Word and to study His, His attributes and His actions. Right? We can't tell of the wonders if we don't know of the wonders. Right? As Psalm 1 states, it says, He delights in the Lord, the law of the Lord. I'm like flipping everything today. And the law of the Lord and on the law, he meditates day and night. That brings the question of, well, what do we delight in? What are we devoted to? To praise the Lord, we need to know the Lord. And once we know him, we can understand, we can see and marvel at his greatness. And know that he is worthy to be greatly praised. 
Uh, David continues in verses 4 through 7 of Psalm 145. He states this. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. Excuse me. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And we first start personally, right? We extol the Lord. We hear about this each and every day, hearing the words of Jesus and obeying them. The Lord states that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You know, if, the, if we do this, then with our words and deeds, we will commend the Lord to others that follow us. Like, follow, like Paul says, right? You know, I lead by example. We lead by example. We commend others to follow us. Now, if we fail and if we don't honor God and follow after other idols and gods, then this will happen, as we can hear from the book of Judges. And all the generation also that were gathered with their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the works that he had done for Israel. And that's the generation after the generation of Joshua. And all of Joshua's generation had passed away, and there arose generation that did not know God in Israel. And that's how the book of Judges starts. So it matters daily who we extol, right? For generations watch and generations know when they see hypocrisy and judgmental groups, so they steer away, right? They steer away from them. So we as a church ought to be about this, declaring the Lord's mighty acts. We proclaim what he has done, forming and framing all of creation, bringing us out of the slavery of sin by the blood of Christ, that we would tell of his wonders and that we would point the world to the lamb that has come for them, that we would be making known, yes, we're broken and we mess up, right? But that we would be making known the faithfulness of the Lord on high. Now this brought a fun question, right? How do, how do sinners do this, right? You know, it's so cool that he wants to use earthen vessels of jars of clay. How do sinners do this? How do broken churches and communities proclaim him? Well, we do this. We proclaim them. We meditate upon his wondrous works. As the psalmist states in Psalm 78, I will not hide them from the children, but tell them to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Right? We don't, we don't hide the evidence. We drive up into the mountains and say, hey, this is who created this. We point it out. We show. We talk about the Almighty One as we drive down the road. We witness 
right? Where are the witnesses, right? And what do witnesses do in all those NCISs and law and orders? They inform people, right? A witness is to inform those around them of what they saw, of what has happened. And we are witnesses of the life made manifest. Uh, please turn your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 1. The Apostle John states this in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 1 of his first letter. That which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Christ Jesus. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And we as a church are a community of witnesses telling the world that God so loved the world that he sent his only Son to pay for the sins of the world that none should perish but believe in Christ Jesus and have everlasting life. And we speak of the mighty, the might of your awesome deeds. I love these, these last two verses, verses 6 and 7, because the psalmist states this, right? He says, speak, declare, pour forth, and sing aloud. I think he's making a little bit of a point, right? <laughs> it should put to rest the words of St. Francis that states this, Preach the gospel at times, at all times, and if necessary, use words. You guys ever hear that saying? Right? Now, this thinking falls short of the biblical mandate to speak, declare, pour forth, and sing aloud. Right? Uh, this Spurgeon quote I ran across the other day, it says, you know, morality will keep you out of jail, but only the sin or the, only the precious blood of Jesus will keep you uh, or bring you to heaven. Right? Morality will only get you so far. But the precious blood of Christ, the proclamation of the gospel, the believing and receiving upon Christ is what people need. You know, in the cases where our lives don't match our words, there is error and it needs to be dealt with. But without words, how would any one of us be here talking about God right now? It all starts... Like this, Genesis 1-3, And God said, let there be light. And there was light. We tell of him with our words. This is the written word, right? Yeah, fits in. <laughs> and we write of him, we preach of him, for the Lord is wonderful. He is great, he is mighty, he is righteous. Paul makes a great point in the book of Romans about this subject. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 10, Romans 10 verses 14 through 17. Or Romans 10, 
He states this in verses 14 and 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, the Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Right? It all starts right there. That's the, the genesis of the church is the preaching of Christ. Those wonders right there. The apostles starting it all. And then the church starting at the day of Pentecost until he takes us home. The word came, right? I mean, Jesus is the word in John 1.1. 1, 1. You know, he took on flesh. He preached the good news. And now the church brings that news forward to a world in need. Now in closing, now that there's like 30 minutes left, I'll keep on. <laughs> you know, we see that we first need to decide. Do we extol? I had to fit it in there one more time. Do we extol ourselves, our hobbies, our loves, or do we extol the Lord? You know, the, the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation could spot a heretic from like a mile away. They, they had everything good and golden. They knew what they were doing. But yet Jesus tells them, you have lost your first love. You know, he needs to be our first love. We extol him. We praise him. We know his wonders. We meditate upon him. We, we praise him for he is righteous. And secondly, do we speak of those wonders of God? Do we tell our children? Do we tell the generations of God, of a God of mercy, of love, of justice? Now please turn in your Bibles with me one more time to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 20. Because as the psalm section ended, it ended with you know the greatness of God is unsearchable. And we'll see this in uh, John 20, verses 30 and 31. And it's the purpose of the book, of why John wrote his gospel. And it states this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And then John actually restates this at the end of his gospel. He says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. The Gospels are written to inform us all. The whole world upon who Jesus is and what he has done. That yes, he, he did other signs that could have been written about, but that these are the inspired, you know, the, these four Gospels are the inspired word of God and that they are written to inform us upon Christ so we may believe
you know, they could have written until the world was full of all the signs and wonders he did. But the gospels speak forth and pour forth and proclaim to this end that you may believe in Christ Jesus, that he is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We proclaim, we praise, we pour forth so others may know that we would point out to a dark and dying world that there is hope because the true light has come. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can just praise your name. And it is greatly to be praised that we can come together and we can fellowship and we can pray together and we can study your word. But that we have this awesome purpose in singing about your greatness and, and meditating upon your wonders. That, that studying and the disciplined part of things might seem hard, but at the same time there's a wonder. There's wonder there. And I just thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy upon all of us sinners. May we aim to please you throughout our days. May we talk about you as we walk and work and drive and wherever you have us this next week, Lord. Thank you for your grace and mercy. It's in your name we pray. Amen.